I'll get my stuff out of the way here. It's all good. Cool. Well, I will pray for Wade, and he'll lead us to the next part of our worship. Thank you, Father, for uh, my brother Wade here. Thank you for the gifts you've given him, for the place you've put him. And, Lord, we pray for his words today that they... um, that they might impact us in, in ways that we might not expect, that they might uh, lead us closer to you, God, and uh, pray for peace for him as he uh, leads us to the next part of our worship service together. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Okay, friends, good morning. Thanks for showing up. You all look beautiful. Apparently, you've all had your caffeinated beverage. I have, so that's awesome. Um, I'm going to be sharing today uh, on our lectionary readings. We're going to blow through both of them um, because the first one's pretty short. Uh, Genesis 15. This, of course, is uh, one of those passages in the Bible that, you know, you've seen a million times and it's been quoted a million times and people have written a thousand opinions about it a million times. Um, So... I know sometimes when we get to those passages, I can sort of gloss over that because you've just heard it over and over again. Um, So let's read this together. So I click through this. Same thing. Uh, If you can, uh, feel take turns reading the slides, and we'll read through both our uh, Old Testament and New Testament reading. One, two, three, go. Someone else? This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so now the New Testament reading is a parallel passage in Hebrews. So let's do this again. Someone else will do this first slide, please. Way to, way to be enthusiastic. I love that.
This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so what can we pull from this passage that hasn't been said already? Probably nothing. So, my goal today is to provide us a place where we can meditate um, on this and think about God's promises for us. Um, So, um, in light of this passage, um, starting at verse 1, you know, God starts out and says, do not be afraid. I'll protect you and your reward will be great. So, the first question I have is, why did God say don't be afraid? Well, previously... You know, if you're reading your Bible, you should remind yourself what just happened in Genesis 14. Uh, You know, if you have your uh, handheld supercomputer, you know, you can uh, flip back to Genesis 14 or not because I'm going to give you the uh, Wade Pallister summary. Um, So Genesis 14 is uh, very interesting because it's this massive biblical epic movie battle. Like there are, I lost count of how many kings there are in Genesis 14. Um, Reading it, so there's this massive battle where these kings are like, we're not going to live under you whose name I can't pronounce anymore. And so we're going to be allies with this king, this king, this king, and this king. And then this king is like, no way, we're going to wipe you out. So I'm going to be allies with this king and this king. And I had a picture of, you know, those World War II movies where they have like the giant strategy room and the massive map. And they have like the little pushers and they're like pushing like little, you know, the little battle figures into. So this all goes down in the uh, valley of, um, because there's tar pits too. Like there should be special effects. It's pretty cool. Uh, Tar pits. Where are the tar pits? Yeah, the captured lot. I'm getting there. Uh, Oh, yeah, it happens in the Valley of the Dead Sea. So there's this huge, massive battle. And the kings are fighting each other, and they're making allies. And there's plunders of war. And some of the armies fall into the tar pits. But here's the point. Um... The victorious invaders, in uh, 14, uh, verse 11, the victorious invader then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and food supplies. And they also captured Lot, Abraham's nephew who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. Uh, One of Lot's men escapes. He comes back to Abram um, and says, hey, Lot was captured. Uh, Verse 14, when Abram... Heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who'd been born into his household, and he pursued Kettle Lamar's army until he caught up with them at Dan. He divided his men. They attacked during night. So uh, Abram stages this guerrilla raid, is what happens in 14, to get Lot back. So the reason why he was afraid in 15 is because... There was just this crazy, massive, epic, special effects uh, tar pit battle that went down. And in the middle of the night, his 318 highly skilled ninjas get Lot and his family back. Uh, So there's a lot of drama happening um, in uh, in the chapter before. So Abram was probably actually really afraid. 
Um, so I've, I find that first verse, the comforting words of God, do not be afraid, I'll protect you, your reward will be great. And so then in verse 2, Abraham says, what good are your blessings? So there's two things I thought about here. Um, in verse 1, God's saying your reward will be great. But here's the interesting thing. So, of course, culturally and in my sinful fallen mind from a Western world, I'm instantly thinking about wealth. But Abram was actually really wealthy already. He had his own private army of 318 ninjas, essentially. Like, he wasn't short of cash. And he was powerful enough that he staged his own guerrilla rescue battle against the victors. Like, there were four or five kingdoms that came together and duked it out. And then Abram's ninja army swoops in, rescues Lot, they're successful, and all the spoils of war. And then at the end of chapter 14, uh, then uh, he meets the king... Uh, and the priest, um, and the king says, give me back my people that you have captured of prisoners of war, but keep all the loot. Like, it's yours, you want it, fair. Geneva Convention, obviously there wasn't a Geneva Convention, but they're like, whatever, fair and square, you won, just give me my people back, you can keep all the loot. And so then, in uh, 14... Uh, Verse 22, Abram replies to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I'm the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten and request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies. So even, so Abram didn't really need the cash. First of all, he was wealthy already. And the king said, all right, go ahead, take all the spoils of war. And Abram's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So, back to my point, to verse 1, God's saying that your reward will be great. That's his promise to Abram. And so then in verse 2, he says, what good are your blessings? Like he's questioning God. So, he's, uh, he's not talking about cash. Because he's got ton of cash. But as we know, in this Middle Eastern culture, wealth, success, prosperity was your family, right? Family culture, group dynamic, different cultural mindset. And uh, as we read in the teaching, Abram's, Abram says to the Lord, you know, what good are your blessings? I mean, I don't have an heir to inherit anything. My, my right-hand servant is going to inherit everything. And so then, uh, as we read, God says, look up, into the, look up into the sky, count the stars. Of course, we're in the desert here. There's no city of Vancouver light pollution. Can you imagine what those stars must have looked like out in the desert on a clear night? So you can see the entire Milky Way. And God says, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, Remember, I wanted to look into this. At this time, Abraham was probably 75 to 85 years old here. Like, he was old enough to have enough life experience that he'd amassed his own army. 
And he didn't have an heir. Sarah was barren, as we read um, in the New Testament reading. And we know how that story goes. So I think Abram's really questioning here. Like, I'm, I'm old. How's this going to go down? I have a lot of physical wealth. But that wasn't what he was asking for. That wasn't the desire of his heart. That wasn't what he was crying out to God for. He wanted an heir. That was, that was super important in that culture. Um, and the point that's been repeated many times, and as we can understand, it's that, it's that disappointment in his heart, right? He's like, I got this, but my heart's longing for this. And you've promised me all these descendants and this amazing promise, but I'm old. How's that going to happen? And then he gets this um, amazing promise. As, as an aside, I was started thinking about, you know, as you get older, you know, when you're young, you're like, oh, you have all these great you know, dreams and visions and, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be famous or I'm going to have this massively successful career and we all earn for some recognition that we have these massive dreams of, I don't know, world domination or rock stardom or whatever, whatever your thing is. I think we all have those and we're, uh, and we're encouraged from like a really young age, you can be anything you want and go. And then, of course, reality hits in middle age and you pay a whole bunch of taxes and you have a bunch of children and then you're just happy enough to wake up every day, you know, and so then you sort of start this slow grinding slide into reality and you know superstardom is no longer really high on your list of priorities you're more than happy just to wake up every morning right and you know stay happily married and have your kids somewhat cohesive um and i uh my internet feed the internet's fed me an interesting little article this week that i thought was appropriate it uh, mentioned people who found success later in life and, you know, it's just, I mean, it's a little interesting aside. Um, were you aware, uh, probably not a lot of um, comic book nerds in the audience um, today. My nephew's a giant comic book nerd. I work with a bunch of really passionate comic book people. Uh, you ever heard of a gentleman by the name of Stan Lee? Just passed away. You've watched a ton of his adapted movies. He, of course, wrote Spider-Man. Stan Lee didn't write his first comic until he was 39. Did you know that? I did not know that. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, something that I care a lot more about, you may have heard of a lovely woman by the name of Julia Child, really the world's first celebrity chef and responsible for much deliciousness. That's sort of the key to my heart. Julia Child didn't write her first cookbook until she was 50. Interesting, huh? Now, here's a name that you probably don't know, but you should. Anyone heard the name of Momofoku Ando? Yes, you're shaking your head? Yes, what did he invent? Instant ramen. The man changed the world and the life of every college student and one of my favorite people, Momofuku Ando, did not invent instant ramen until he was 50 fascinating. So does that really tie into what we're talking about today? Not really, but it's fun. Um, so 
here's where I want to sort of move into the next phase. As we, as we think about God's promises and this dilemma, this tension between the reality of what we are facing, the, the daily grind of life, um, the things we wish had happened but haven't, um, loss, tragedy. Um, Abram's in this place where he's come out of this giant battle He has a lot of material wealth. His wife is old and barren, and all he wants is an heir. And he says, what good are your promises, God? Um, Where are your promises? And God says, look up into the sky. This huge Milky Way, those are going to be your descendants, real, actual descendants, in the biblical term, from your loins. And um, he believed Abram believed and was this massive uh, uh, pillar of faith. So, here are the questions. What's the desire of your heart? Deep down inside of you, when you're all alone, between you and God in the desert, what's your heart really crying out for? Related to that, what has God promised you that hasn't happened yet? What has God told you? What are his promises to you? Are you afraid? Because Abram was, and God said, I am your shield. And how has God protected you? My, my, My mentor, my spiritual father, my YWAM leader, Don Neufeld um, had a very large influence on my life. And I always quote him. He was a a really amazing man. Uh, And as I've shared with you guys many times, or those of you who haven't heard, um, he passed away a couple years ago from from a brain aneurysm. But Don would always say, life is hard and then you die. But God is good. And that was, although it, may sound rather pessimistic. Um, That was kind of, I think, the wisest thing anyone had ever said to me. Um, So keeping that in mind, I want us to reflect on these questions. What's the desire of your heart? What has God promised you that hasn't happened yet? And are you afraid? And has God protected you? I want you to think about Actually, Soph, can you go back to that first slide of all the stars? That was a really great image. My lovely wife, Joanna, put that in when she was making the PowerPoint. So of thinking about God's promises, of thinking about all those stars that God said to Abram, look up, those are going to be your descendants. And Abram was like, what good are your promises? But, but, I believe. So, Actually, Sophia, sorry. Let's go back to the questions that I put up. But that's cool, right? God's promises. Okay, so, so keep that in mind. All right, and let's go back to those questions. We are going to um, have a little bit of an uh, interactive, prayer, reflective, meditative origami time. I'm sure I could have fit another adjective in there somewhere. Yeah. So I'm going to make you do origami. Um, 
I was reminded of a time many, 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 many years ago that I was preaching uh, that I made Bob, hi Bob, I made Bob write a, a protest letter to the Canadian government about the water quality of the Lubicon Cree First Nations. And uh, we've, we've joked about that um, a lot of times, so we're not going to write any protest letters today. Um, we are going to make origami. Um, so if I could have a couple of volunteers come up and uh, just like school, take one, pass it back. Um, so if you could divide that. So I'm giving you a sheet. Thank you. So I'm giving you, Joanna has a sheet of uh, origami instructions and song lyrics. And then Nate's handing out a square piece of paper which is your uh, origami paper. Uh, there's more than enough for everyone. You can make two or three. We're going to make stars. You're going to make three-dimensional origami stars. And in order to do that, you're also going to need scissors, of which I went downstairs in the kids' church, and I raided all the super fun tiny little kids' craft scissors, which your fingers may or may not fit into, and I can't guarantee the actual cutting ability of them. So you're going to need a pair of scissors, and then I've also got some pencil crayons and some fun coloring things here. So uh, I'm going to uh, play a couple tracks. We're going to do a little bit of DJing. I'm going to provide you with some um, ambient Bethel First Nations origami zhuzh, nice and peaceful. And then I'm going to provide you with some not-so-peaceful, very theologically sound 90s Christian angst core, because um, I like both. And uh, I want you guys to do your origami and make your star. On the back of your star, I want you to think about these questions. And I'd like you to write down your answer. What are you trusting God for? What has God promised you? What's the desire of your heart? And although I want to keep the questions up, I want you to think about that amazing star field and the promises that God gave Abram. And how when he gave that promise, Abram was still really old. Sarah was still really barren. And he just came out of a very large battle. Things weren't really good for him. They weren't totally great. Life is hard. Then you die. But God is good. And I kind of don't want to give you any more instructions other than that. Um, I've included song lyrics on the back of your instructions so you can follow along. Uh, with the lyrics that are being played. Uh, I, uh, I am that guy. Uh, uh, what's the movie? Anyways, I was going to make a movie reference. Uh, but I was the guy, I was the teenager who sat alone in my room with lights really low thinking really deep, depressing thoughts while I listened to early 80s, you know, Cure and Depeche Mode. It's like, this song really speaks to me. I was that guy. Uh, does anyone remember the first generation of the iTunes 
visualizer that had a beat match and then did the really little patterns as you listen to songs, that one. I seriously stared at that thing for hours. I loved that thing. I would like sit in my room and put on my favorite tracks and then just watch it. So the lyrics of those songs, I think are incredibly powerful as well. So I want you to be able to then take this time and do it however you want to engage with God. If you want to sing, that's great. Fold stars, make one, make two, make three. Write on your stars or don't. We have kneelers. Just allow yourself to engage. More paper, scissors, crayons up here. Cool?
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Okay, friends, some of you were a little more successful than others on your origami stars. My hope is that in the action of the origami stars, you were still able to engage with the questions. Not quite. Okay. So we're going to move into a time of communion, but I feel... What I really love is that worship is using whatever abilities God has given us for his glory. So often we think worship is Andy Park, yay, which it is. But Andy can worship because he has this talent with his voice and his hands to move in a certain way. We can do the same thing folding paper. We can do the same thing raising our children. We can do the same thing, taking communion. The point is intentionality. So what can we do as our children are downstairs screaming intentionally to do to engage with what the Holy Spirit is saying? So with that, let's um, head into some um, communion. If I could have my servers and Andy, if you'd join us up on stage. The rest of Genesis 15 goes on that God and Abram um, make a covenant and that um, God gives them uh, a shopping list of uh, animals to go out and collect um, and then he cuts them down the middle as part of the covenant of the shedding of blood, which of course uh, is a parallel uh, to uh, Christ's crucifixion. Yes. So, um, on the night that Christ was betrayed, you know, he was gathered with uh, his disciples in the upper room. Uh, and he said, this bread is my body that was broken for you. And this, um, this cup uh, is my blood that was shed for the, the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, so, Lord, um, today we thank you for your promises. Today we thank you for your covenant, for your shed blood, for your promises that you gave Abram looking at the unlimited stars in the sky about the promises you gave him about his descendants. And we are spiritual descendants of that promise, Lord. And today as we reflect on 
the prom our individual promises that you have given us or the things that we wrestle with. Um, we choose uh, to accept these elements as your promise of eternal life for us. Amen. So please come up in your own time as you feel ready. <laughs>